Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The heavens declare the glory of God. Not in words, but in a glorious technicolor light show. Every day shouts in wordless language that God, almighty God, made it all. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning. Praise for them springing fresh from above. Blackbird has spoken and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. Look at the birds of the heaven, Jesus says in his sermon. Take a lesson from them. Consider the stork, God says to Job. When she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. One of our old confessions tells us that the universe lies before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God. Jesus says, consider the lilies to make us ponder the invisible things of God. His providential care and his love of beautiful things. When Jesus walked the earth, he walked the earth. His feet were dirty with the dust of the earth. His sermon illustrations were about flowers and trees and seeds and vineyards and birds and fish and sheep and goats and pigs. The psalmist lies down in green pastures beside still waters and he finds peace. He imagines God dressed up in sunshine with all heaven stretched out for his tent. He imagines God laughing at his pet dragon, the Leviathan frolics in the sea. And he exclaims, what a wildly wonderful world, God. The glory of the Lord, let it last forever. We are gathered here this morning to worship the creator of the universe. The Lord in his holy temple. And that temple is the whole blooming creation. The Lord in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let's say it together. The Lord Lord is is in in his his holy temple. temple. Let Let all all the the earth earth keep silence before before him. If you would like to make your way back to the place that you were seated. (laughs) So good to see you all. Good job for making it here on time. 1030 crowd. Well done. You did it. Way to go. We were, we were we, we, you know, we, we hadn't done this in two years, so we weren't really sure how it would go or what would happen or if all the kids would come at one hour, but pretty good, pretty good mix in both hours, so this is just great. We feel a lot of stress, like relieved, so good job, everybody. Um, again, my name is Micah, and uh, we're very glad that you're here. If you are new to Awaken, special welcome to you. 
Uh, we'd love to know that you were with us, so if you are willing, there are some cards in the seat pockets in front of you. There is a button on the front page of our website, about halfway down, I'm new. If you could fill one of those out and let us know, uh, somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. Uh, love to get to know you and for you to get to know us. Those cards, if you fill them out here, and any tithes or offerings that you may have brought can go in the black boxes. There's one at each of the exits, and we're really grateful for both of those. A couple things we want to let you know about that are coming up in the life of the church, uh, the first of which is next week. A lot of things happening in October, friends, um, not just the playoffs for baseball. Uh, Sacred Sites Tour is next Sunday, so uh, Jim Bear Jacobs, who is an indigenous, indigenous pastor and leader in the Twin Cities, uh, quite well known, will be leading us in a tour of Sacred Sites uh, to the indigenous community in the Twin Cities, specifically like St. Paul area. Um, that's happening from 1 to 5. Anyone is welcome to, to go on that. Uh, suggested donation of 30 bucks for that. Uh, I was told in, some, um, in our peacemaking cohort, when you hire a, a guide, like pay them well for their knowledge. And um, so that's what we'd like to do. So uh, that's next week, 1 to 5, rain or shine. So pack, a, pack accordingly. And you can sign up online for that. Trunk or Treat is coming on the 30th of October. Very excited about that. Kenny, yes, I see you. Uh, that, if you, if you don't know what this is, we will, um, you know, host uh, a party uh, in, the, in the parking lot of the church. Folks decorate their trunks, open them up, decorate their trunks, and then we just hand out candy to the kids. So uh, the neighborhood has been invited, and last year we ran out of candy. We had hundreds of kids and families. So... Um, you can participate in a number of ways. I think we've got like 20 or 25 trunks secured. We'd love to have some more. We've got room for 50. So you can host a trunk. You can sign up for that online as well, right on the front page. You can help, uh, you know, make the thing happen. We got cider and coffee that we'll have for the kiddos and, and the adults. So uh, you can help with that. Or you can bring candy uh, next week. You can drop that off at the Discover Awaken booth because, again, we ran out last year. So uh, those things, um, those are happening. And then last but not least, there's a book club starting up on November the 10th. Rachel Larson is leading that uh, at her home in South Minneapolis. The book is Love Medicine. Details are there. Awaken Weekly, online, all things awaken. Sound good? Okay. Uh, today is a special day. Uh, we are taking some time to recognize, honor, and thank our friend Mandy Taylor, who has been a part of our community over the last number of years as our kids' community director. So, Mandy, if you want to make your way up, uh, the Kepharts, if you want to make your way up, and uh, we've asked a couple people to say a few words. The Lauritsons took first hour, the Kepharts are taking second hour, so <laughs> take it away, Susan. Mandy. Um, so, yes, I feel privileged to get to share about Mandy, and um, as I've been thinking about Mandy, so many things come up, but, but the first thing that came up was this kid's song that goes, Mama has four hands, four hands, and in my head, I'm like, Mandy has 14 hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I can't tell you how, um, like, like you think like oh this has to get done oh Mandy did it Mandy like a comp like she did it and for instance this doesn't have to do with Awaken but I'm wearing a shirt that Mandy just happened to design and she traveled to Cambodia and she taught women how to sew and make a living by sewing um, and so and supported these women in Cambodia and so anyway this is just like one of the things like one of the hands that Mandy has out there like supporting people and loving people um, a couple other things um Mandy 
I love that you came to Awaken and you kind of started reading through all this curriculum and you thought, you know, this just isn't fitting the heart of Awaken and it's not fitting the, like my vision for how we want to raise our kids and teach our kids. And so Mandy, I love the way that you um, saw that um, you could be the uh, like a person to have a voice of like, let's let's like bring scripture to these kids in a true, real, authentic way that they can grasp. Um, and so I just love that you brought your own curriculum and Mandy's going to keep doing curriculum here. So that's um, something that we get to look forward to too. Um, and then third, the, like one of the most special things for us um, is when COVID happened, um, and you guys all, a lot of you know this, but um, Mandy, <clears throat> we couldn't come to church, obviously. So Mandy took some time to think, like, how can, how can these kids keep learning scripture? Um, and so she started putting together these boxes. So every, like, month, we would come to church. We couldn't actually come to church, but we would come pick up our box and say hi outside. And then we had a month worth of... Um, lessons like written up activities to do she would send home honey sticks for the kids to have their little um may god's word be like sweet on your lips like honey so we had their little honey sticks and um these guys we were just looking today remembering like all over our house there are like we would did little seeds and grew plants and um we made little garlands that had hearts that we would write down ways to be kind to other people um and so I guess all of those things um, summed up to say thank you for your heart for kids and your heart for God. And thank you for, like, both of those things coming together here and that we got to be a part of all of that, all of the gifts that you brought here. So you guys want to say thank you to Mandy with us? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mandy. <laughs> that I want to share a few words, too. Um, hopefully I got most of my tears out first gathering, so I'll get through this. Uh, I just wanted to take a minute just to say thank you to all of you who have been so supportive. I'm so thankful for the opportunity that I've had to teach and to lead, to facilitate, to be a part of the staff, and to be a part of many of your lives. It has been a true joy to connect and build relationships with so many of our kids and families these past six years. I tell people outside of Awaken all the time that we just have the most amazing community. The beauty here at Awaken is unlike any other. For the ways I've gotten to grow and develop our kids' community, I am thankful. For the trust you all gave to me, I am thankful. These experiences will carry with me through all that is ahead, and I will always look back at my time here on staff as a gift and a transformational time of growth, not only in my faith, but also in my being who I am, what I desire and stand for, and who I will continue to strive to be. I couldn't be more excited to continue to do one of my favorite parts of the job, which is creating the lessons that our teachers get to use to lead each Sunday morning, as Susan said. When I started at Awaken, we were using not one curriculum, but five. Five curriculums, a different curriculum for every room. As time went on, the words and the stories in those curriculums no longer fit who Awaken is. 
it was also a bit of a mess navigating the five curriculums. Um, but we do have the most amazing volunteers who teach each week. And when I got to know our teams better after I started, I realized those are the voices that we need to be hearing. Also, our kids, most importantly, need to be hearing that they were created good in God's image and that they, that we, are good. Not many curriculums start with that, unfortunately. God gives each of us, kids included, and I'd even argue to say most importantly kids, such an amazing and unique, such amazing and unique gifts and experiences. I want our curriculum to be teaching our kids that they are good and that they can bring good and that they do good. Um, we want our kids to experience Jesus in beautiful ways, whether it's his light shining on them or their light shining for him and bringing joy and beauty and, quite honestly, all of our values to this world. They've specifically been learning about these values right along with all of us up here uh, because they, too, inhabit these values and can be living into them at home, at school, in their neighborhoods, and, of course, here at Awaken. This is a place where my own kids have learned the importance of serving, being a part of community, and the growth and fun and rewarding feeling that comes with that. I'm really grateful for our family getting to grow up in this kind of community. I see these values in my kids, and I know that part of that stems from our, commit our commitment to being a part of this community, but also being surrounded by all of you amazing people who are living into these values and being an example to our kids, to my kids, to all the kids here. I could go on and on in all my ways of being thankful for all of you. And I'll say again, thank you. For our kids community volunteers, many of whom have become my very favorite people and friends, for our families who are intentional about coming on Sundays and bringing your kids to church to participate in community, to the staff and the core team who are like family, I'm grateful to be a part of this beautiful community. So thank you. Yeah. Well-deserved, well-deserved. Uh, if you're on the advisory team or part of our staff team, if you want to come on up, um, we, uh, there's an artist in our community that makes these trees, and so a number of folks uh, have gotten an awakened tree as a gift uh, to remember your time and to, um, as, a, as a way for us to say thank you. So we want to give this to Mandy. Um, and if you would join me in a word of prayer, we just want to bless you and John and Colin and Wheezy and Quinn. God, we thank you for uh, the Taylors. Um, thank you for Mandy and her investment in our church, in our community, in our kids, uh, in our life together. And we bless her, God. We release her to this next season. We pray um, just uh, life and vibrancy and um, a new imagination for this next chapter. Um, I thank you for, for John and for uh, the kids who also stood behind the scenes often and, and even um, in front serving and giving and um, sacrificing all the time for, for our church. And so we're grateful for them and, and we bless them um, as a community, we pray. In the strong name of Christ, and the church said together, amen, amen. One more round for Mandy, everybody. Thanks, friend. 
Uh, all right, friends, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 27, and Isaiah 55, if you want to find those. As you do, uh, and before we read the, the scripture and jump into the teaching this morning, I'll just say one other thing related to uh, an update. Uh, some of you got a, an email from our advisory team about a recent communications that we got from the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is the denomination that we're a part of. And you may or may not know, but uh, that there was a vote on allegations made about our community that we are out of harmony in our denomination. And that vote at the executive board uh, was enough to pass. And so that recommendation will be passed on to the annual meeting, which happens in June of next year. Uh, in California is where it will be hosted. And so uh, the delegates of the annual meeting of the Covenant next year will vote on our church and one other church, Quest Church in Seattle, to determine whether or not we are out of harmony. And if we are, then we are no longer a part of the denomination. And if the delegates decide that uh, 66%, and it needs a supermajority to pass, um, and if they don't, then we are still part of the denomination. So just a couple things in case you're wondering. Number one, um, this really doesn't change much around here day to day. Um, I will likely still be your pastor and unless the advisory team decides otherwise between now and then. Um, we will still be a church. We'll still meet here and we'll still keep doing the things that we feel God's called us to do and be together as a faith community. Yeah? Um, as your pastor, one of them, I'd like to just offer two words, the first of which is, I'd like for us to walk through this experience, and so whatever ends up happening in June, I'd like for us to have no regrets on the other end of this. Meaning, if there's something that you need to say or feel compelled to say or offer uh, a testimony or witness on behalf of Awaken, do so. Um, no regrets. Don't get to the end of it and feel like, man, I wish I would have said something or, or written something or said something to someone. Um, also, um, if you need to say you're sorry for what you've said, like permission to, to make a mistake and to, um, I guess, go back and make that right. You know, sometimes we say things when, when things like this and conversations like this happen and we maybe get a little hot under the collar and fire one off and then we're like, oh man, maybe I... You can, you can go back and write the second email so that you don't have regret about what you've said, right? Um, and then secondly, I would say I would like to invite us to walk all the way through this with our integrity intact as a community, as a faith community, so that whatever happens, whatever the vote ends up being, um, Awaken as a faith community can stand with our, held, our heads held high uh, with, with our integrity intact and no stain on the gospel, uh, at least as, as far as we're concerned. Can we commit to that together? Um, and whatever will be, will be. Amen? Okay. Should we study the Bible today? All right. Gentlemen, if you would, uh, we're going to read from Psalm 27 and Isaiah chapter 55. And if you are able, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the word. And then we'll get into it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. 
One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. God, we ask that our hearts and our ears would be open to the work that you're doing. Holy Spirit, we trust that you're present, that you're good, that you lead to what's good and true and right. So may it be so in our lives and in the life of our church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we are in week five of a series on, uh, entitled The Heart of Awaken. We're looking at the values of our church. They're right over here on this little canvas. And um, we've talked about Jesus starting from there. That's sort of the hub from which the, the, the spokes of our life as a spiritual community go out. Everything begins with the life and teachings and the death and resurrection of Jesus. We want that to be the center of who we are. Uh, from there, we move to holism and this commitment to a, a gospel that is holistic, meaning it's not just about where we go when we die, but it's about right here and right now. It's about these bodies and this life and this world. So a commitment to a whole gospel, to the whole person by a whole church. Uh, we talked about um, hospitality on the weekend of the retreat. What does it mean to be intentional about creating space to host, to welcome, and provide for someone other than myself? That this is what we see in God as the scripture opens. This is who God is. This is what Jesus is like. And so for followers of Jesus, we are committed to that as well. That when folks come into this place for the first time, they might receive a welcome that is com com consistent with, commensurate to, the welcome that we see from God. Uh, and then last week we, we talked about authenticity. That we might be credible sources of our claim. If we claim to follow Jesus, that would be a credible claim. That we would be the, the genuine article. There wouldn't be any, uh, uh, any dispute about that. And that in, in doing so, that we would be rooting out duplicity, right? We want to be integrated, whole, uh, authentic people who are following this Jesus together. So this week I want to, in the time we have remaining, which isn't much, talk about beauty and the value of beauty. Why would a church declare a value of beauty? I mean, in our world, it's probably no secret that, uh, that that's not a currency, really, that the world works with, right? The world that we live in often values pragmatism and utility, efficiency, get it done with the least amount of resources and make the most amount of profit, right? Maximize those things. So beauty isn't really useful, right? What can you buy with beauty? And if you can't buy anything with it, what use is it to us? And yet the psalmist says, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I would be able to gaze upon the beauty of God. Like the psalmist seems to think this is where the action is at. Gazing on the beauty, beholding the beauty of God. So I want to do two things. I want to talk about what is beauty and then why do we need it. 
So first, what is beauty? There's two words in the psalm, in the, uh, the, the passage we read in Psalms, that I want to kind of bring out to, to build a definition for this word beauty. The first gets translated behold or gaze, and it's the Hebrew word chazah. It means to perceive, uh, to, to contemplate, to gaze at, to behold. And then the second word is noam. It gets translated beauty. It's like pleasantness or delightfulness, suitableness, splendor or grace. So beauty, as I'm understanding it, is this idea of to have pleasure in the perception of something. To have pleasure in the perception of something. And when we perceive something, it it can be for awareness. So I could perceive that you are my enemy, and so I might go around you. I might um, not talk to you. I might not make eye contact with you. But if I perceive that you're my friend... I might change, I might offer a different behavior. I might greet you. I might shake your hand. I might give you a hug. So to perceive for awareness is a means to an end, right? But to perceive for pleasure, beauty, it's the end in and of itself. It's not for something else. Which is why sometimes I think it's hard for us to get our heads around that it's not superfluous or it's not extraneous. But to perceive for the intent of or for the purpose of pleasure... It's an end in and of itself, beauty. So why do we need that in our world? Like, why would a church say we need that in our world? Why do we as a community want to value beauty, state it as that, make it high on a list of important things? Beauty as survival, beauty as resistance, and beauty as invitation. Uh, First, uh, beauty as survival. I I recognize... uh, or I recognized as I was giving this teaching in first hour, I have a number of quotes in here that are a little dense. So I'm going to slow down and and let us take them in, but uh, a number of authors have written about this topic of beauty that I was studying and walking with this week. One of which is Ernest Becker, Pulitzer Prize winner. And he's talking about life, like the nature of life. And he says this. He says, I think that taking life seriously means something such as this. That whatever man does or woman does on this planet, it has to be done in the lived truth of the terror of creation. Of the grotesque. Of the rumble of panic underneath everything. Otherwise, it is false. Whatever is achieved must be achieved with full exercise of passion, vision, pain, fear, sorrow. Why do we need beauty? Because it's a circus out there. I don't know how many of you go to work and despair is like always lurking around the corner. We have a lot of mental health workers, a lot of social workers, a lot of folks who walk with people. So I don't think I have to convince you that it's nuts. It's a zoo out there. And and quite frankly, there are a myriad of unanswerable things that happen to good like kind human beings every day that we have no answers to, which creates a low-level anxiety for many of us. The rumble of panic underneath everything. And to live life without full recognition that this is our reality and this is the world we find ourselves in, Becker would say, is false. It's not real. 
So we have to live in view of, in full view of the fact that it is a, it is a, a, a circus out there all the time. There is death and darkness all around us, right? Thanks for coming to church, everybody. Beauty stands in the face of that and speaks a word. It's, it's an arresting word that says, while it is formidable and, and death is around us and there is darkness, beauty stands and says it doesn't get the last word. We need it to survive. We need it to wake up in the morning and to keep going some days. Amen? To be taken in by something that's beautiful. To allow it to, trans, to be transfixed by it and transformed in its presence. To survive, we need beauty. Unfortunately, in the church, and, and, and especially the Western church, and, and the American church, which values utility and pragmatism and efficiency, beauty gets cast aside. You know, there was a whole season in the church where we just got rid of all the things that were beautiful because we thought they distracted us from God. That's so false and unhelpful. I would even argue sinful. We need beauty. We need it to survive. I need it to wake up in the morning because some days it's just that bad. We also need beauty to act. Beauty is the resistance movement in the world. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, in the second passage we read, he speaks of a world, I don't know if you caught that, but it's nonsense. It's foolishness to the world that we live in. Come and buy food and milk with no money, at no cost. That sounds like socialism to me. That sounds like... Rah, rah. What? <laughs> and not just the leftovers. He says, the richest, delight yourself in the richest affair. The prophet is like painting a picture of a world that does not yet exist, but that we believe will be true. It's the resistance act in the midst of the crazy zoo that we live in. The prophetic word is a, it's a call. It's a clarion like um, invitation. It's an act of resistance. It challenges us and dares us to imagine a future and a world that does not look like the one we live in now. It's a New Testament professor emeritus out of Emory University named Fred Craddock. He writes this. The beautiful serves transformation by supplying images that contradict the inhuman. And thus provides alternative transforming images to those of oppression. It's resistance. It's the rage against the machine. We are, in a profound sense, redeemed by such beauty. For art does not simply mirror reality, but it challenges the destructive and alienating tendencies, making up what is lacking and anticipating future possibilities. Art and beauty is the resistance movement. It's a prophetic stand against the images and the realities of oppression and darkness and death in our world. So to the makers and the creators, the artists among us, if you stop doing what you do, if you stop making images and pictures and sculptures and songs and words and furniture and space, if you stop doing what you do, we're all going to die. We're going to die of depression or paranoia or anxiety. So to those who have been, who find themselves as 
that wells up in you to the creatives among us, the artists among us. Maybe you've never heard from the church or from the front. We desperately need your voices. Please don't stop singing. Don't stop making. Don't stop writing. Don't stop creating. Don't stop offering a moment, a word, a picture, an image of resistance to the world that we live in because without your voices, we might just believe that death does win. We desperately need you. You are the prophets. You are the resistance. So lead us. That's why we value it. Beauty as survival, beauty as resistance, and beauty as an invitation to justice. Now that might seem interesting. Stick with me. Ralph Waldo Emerson, recognize that name? Writer. He says, the question of beauty takes us out of surfaces to thinking of the foundations of things. The question of beauty takes us out of surfaces, out of the surface level, out of what we see, into the foundations of things, he calls it, below the surface, into the more important things. Iris Murdoch is a philosopher, an author, wrote some, has written some very important pieces on beauty, and she defines what we commonly call beauty as an occasion for unselfing. Beauty is an occasion for unselfing. What does she mean? She writes this, Beauty is the convenient and traditional name of something which art and nature share, and which gives a fairly clear sense to the idea of quality of experience and change of consciousness. I'm looking out of my window in an anxious and resentful state of mind, oblivious of my surroundings, brooding perhaps on some damage done to my prestige. I know you've never done this. Then suddenly... Isn't that how beauty works? Then suddenly, I observe a hovering kestrel. In a moment, everything is altered. The brooding self with its hurt vanity has disappeared and there is nothing now but kestrel. And when I return to thinking of the other matter, it seems less important. Beauty is an occasion for unselfing. What is she saying Beauty happens to us, does it not? We're transfixed by it. We're taken up into it. We see a dahlia, and we, we, we're lost in its wonder. Like, who actually did that? There's some growing outside in the garden. You can come up here after and look. I mean, just take a second. And what has just happened is I have ceased to be the center of my universe when I'm taken up into beauty. Why is beauty an invitation to justice? Because when I experience it, I am no longer the center of my universe. What is at the center of every injustice and oppressive act in the world, if not selfishness? What does injustice feed off of, if not selfishness? So if beauty is a moment where I cease to become the center of the universe, but rather I'm transfixed and taken up into something else, in a moment, I am no longer the center of the universe, 
and I'm invited to consider something else. What is just and right and good in the world if not equity and fairness and the other? Beauty invites us to be human. It invites us to be who we were made to be. Without it, we become animals and beasts. But with it, we're invited into the divine life. One final quote. This is on a work by Elaine Scarry on beauty and being just. She writes, The beautiful object renders fairness, an abstract concept. It renders it concrete by making it directly available to our sensory perceptions. With its direct appeal to the senses, beauty stops us. Have you ever just been stunned by something beautiful? It transfixes us. It fills us with a surfeit of aliveness and abundance. And in doing so, it takes the individual away from the center of his or her self-preoccupation and thus prompts a distribution of attention outward towards others and ultimately toward ethical fairness. Beauty is not superfluous. It is not extra. It is not unnecessary. I would argue, and it's why we are declaring it as valuable in our community, that we desperately need it to survive because the world that we live in can get a little dark at times. And I need it when I wake up. I need to be taken up by a dahlia. I need to see the flight of the bird and just be lost in it for a moment. It is an act of resistance in the world to say something, to stand with the resurrected Jesus and say, that death does not get the last word. And so we speak a word of hope and light and transformation into the world as an act of resistance. And finally, as an invitation to justice, to participate in justice as a spiritual discipline. Beauty as spiritual discipline. Because if I cease to be the center of my universe for just a moment, and I'm taken up by the beauty of something that's working on me, it's transforming me, it's changing the kind of person that I am to participate in the life that I was made to participate in. So my friends, this is the kind of church that we want to build. The question is, will you help us build it? Pray with me. God, this morning as we take just a few moments to consider beauty and we hear the words of the psalmist who says, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, to behold the beauty of God. As we hear the prophet say, speak of a world that does not yet exist, but we believe will one day. May we be found as a community doing our part, creating, making space for, facilitating occasions of beauty in the world. May we be training our eyes and our spirits, our souls, to see and celebrate what is beautiful. As, a mean, as Not a means to an end, but as the end in and of itself. And as we, as we cease to be the centers of our own universe for just a moment, may we be reminded that we are in communion with you, with one another, and with the world that we live in. May that act, may that moment and those moments change us and transform us, I pray.
a moment of silence to consider. As we close this morning, um, a couple of things will happen. Mel's going to lead us in song. Uh, There is communion available on my left and right. There's white grape juice and red wine. So as you make your way up the side aisles, there's some hand sanitizer there. I invite you to take the, the, the bread and dip it in the cup and know that as you do, the body of Christ has been broken for you and the blood of Christ has been shed for you. Um, this first song, some of you, uh, a good friend of Awaken, um, Sarah Groves has written a song called Why It Matters and it speaks to this question of beauty and why it matters. Um, some of you know the story of the cellist of Sarajevo who was found playing music in the midst of a war-torn city. This paradox, this juxtaposition of, like, why does that matter? Hopefully you have some context and some words to think about as we hear this song now. So, Well, my friends, good to be with you. Uh, You should know that the Taylors do love cereal. So there is a cereal bar downstairs in the basement, in the, um, in the fellowship hall, as it were. Um, so come one, come all. Lots of cereal to be had. Um, thank Mandy for uh, her investment in time here. So leave with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church said together, amen. Amen. Grace and peace. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.